0: first 23 verses It's the parable of the sower a very well-known piece of scripture but it's got some challenging concepts in it Carl informed me <laughs> and today's is a challenge one Carl isn't it so Let's, let's read it together, Matthew chapter 13. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, as you were scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up, choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. And then Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And Jesus replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. perceiving. For this is, People's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. So far the quote from Isaiah. And Jesus continues, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, Many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy but since it has no root he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is the word of God. Shall we just pray for a blessing on as Carl presents his message. Father, Lord, we thank you that we could read a, a well-known piece of scripture and again be reminded of, of your work in this world and how you would go about it. And Lord, we pray now as Carl presents the message that you too would um, empower him with your spirit so that he can, in boldness and truth, um, allow us to be taught this morning. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.
1: Well, good morning uh, everyone. It's good to see you all again and uh, it's great to have uh, the two Phil's here to talk about uh, chaplaincy a little bit later on, Uh, so it would be great uh, to hear about that. But this morning uh, we're going to be looking at this passage from uh, from Matthew chapter 13 and I want to uh, start by asking the question, uh, why don't more people uh, receive the Gospel? Why don't more people respond to the good news about Jesus? I'm sure that's Uh, a question uh, that you may have asked before, Uh, if you shared the Gospel with anyone, uh, maybe uh, people in your own family, uh, maybe friends, maybe people at work, maybe people at school, uh, why uh, don't more people seem to respond to the good news about Jesus? Why why do some people not seem to give it a second thought? Uh, Why do some people, uh, you know, respond enthusiastically but then later uh, give it all away? Uh, Why do some people... Uh, seem to embrace the Gospel but never go anywhere with it. You know, their life uh, after uh, discovering Jesus is the same as it was before. Well, it's a great puzzle, I think, uh, and it's a great thing uh, emotionally, I think, to deal with as well. Uh, Why do some people not embrace Jesus? Uh, But it's a puzzle that this parable uh, here in Matthew 13 helps us uh, to answer. And so hopefully as we go through we'll begin to see some of uh, what Jesus has to say about that. Uh, Why uh, the greatest preacher who ever lived, why people didn't respond uh, to his message. Well chapter 13 begins uh, and Jesus has a big crowd of people wanting to listen to him and it's such a big crowd that uh, they sit on the bank uh, on the shore uh, of the lake while he goes out into a boat uh, and speaks from the boat. Uh, We've had the Sermon on the Mount back in Matthew chapter 5 and this is uh, the Sermon from the dinghy, uh, if you like. Uh, And and Jesus is is speaking to these people but back in chapter 5 Jesus was kind of just doing, I guess, normal uh, uh, teaching but here he does it all, all his teaching in the form of parables. And parables, I I guess, are are really just like stories uh, or metaphors uh, or comparisons which really drive home a point. And Jesus begins this sermon in the dinghy uh, with a really simple story. Uh, it's about a farmer who goes out to sow some seed, uh, and the seed ends up in dis- different places, uh, not necessarily where he wanted it. Uh, these days we have, you know, uh, tractors with GPS. I don't know if you've ever seen some of those tractors that they have, and like you can just sit there and watch a DVD while the tractor is doing its doing its business, it's pretty crazy, uh, driving around the paddock. But in the, you know, back in the day you would just throw the seed out, it's like those little grass, you know those grass things that fling the seed out everywhere? It's like those, you know, and some ends up on the, on the lawn and some ends up in the garden and some ends up on the path and that's what happens to this farmer. Some of the seed ends up on the path and the birds come uh, and just eat it. Some of it uh, falls uh, on rocky soil but because uh, it, the soil is rocky the, the plant's spring up straight away, but then they have no root and they just, they just die. There's, uh, there's no good soil for them. Some falls among the weeds uh, and they get choked. Uh, maybe that's what's happening to the plants in your garden. Uh, they're being choked by the weeds. And some of it falls uh, on the good soil and it germinates, it grows uh, and it produces a great crop. It's really a very simple story, isn't it? It only takes up five verses Uh, and in fact the rest of the chapter is spent explaining the story. Uh, But it's a very simple story, Uh, but what's the point? What's the point of the story? Somewhat surprisingly, uh, that's not the question that the disciples ask. You might think that that would be their first question, but actually they ask another question. They ask Jesus, why do you speak in stories? Why do you use parables in the first place? And Jesus gives his answer to that question uh, in verse 10 and three quarters where he says that he uses stories because stories are so simple to understand that people can't possibly misunderstand them and so they'll hear and they'll understand and they'll turn and they'll repent and they'll find grace and life. No, that's not what he says, is it? He doesn't say that at all. That's what we might expect him to say but in fact he says something much much more troubling. He says, The knowledge of the secrets of the Kingdom of Heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away. It's so important want to, to carefully note what Jesus actually says. He doesn't say... The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you both and some of you have kind of accepted that and some of you haven't. Jesus says it's been given to you, the disciples, and it hasn't been given to them. It's impossible to get away from the fact that behind the varied responses of people to the Gospel and to the message of Jesus stands God's sovereign purposes, stands what God determines. God gives to some and not to others. God gives to some to understand and embrace Jesus, and God leaves others as they are. We've already come across that idea in Matthew's Gospel, and we kind of skimmed over it, but if you turn back to, to Matthew chapter 11, Matthew 11 verse 25, you find Jesus saying something very similar. He's just, he just unleashed this, this terrible kind of series of woes on uh, all these cities because they haven't repented. And then Jesus reflects on why some repent and why some don't. And listen to what he says in verse 25. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Why? Because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. It's a difficult uh, word I think from Jesus but but what he's saying is is pretty clear. He's saying that God hides uh, Jesus from some people and reveals him to others. And God's determination to do that is based on nothing else but but his choice. The Son reveals the Father to whom he chooses and that choice is based on God's good pleasure. Uh, It's not a a choice based on the qualities that God sees in us. It's not a a choice that God bases on on him foreseeing the way that we will respond to him, whether we'll accept him or whether we'll be better or worse than somebody else but Jesus says it's because of God's good pleasure. And in fact, what's even more astonishing is that Jesus says, I praise you, Father, because of that. But at the end of the day, that's really what makes God God, isn't it? And us humans and servants. Instinctively, I think we believe uh, that people's response to the Gospel is in God's hands because that's why we pray, isn't it? Uh, We pray, God, I I ask that you would work in this person's heart. I I, I pray that you would bring this person to understand Jesus. We pray that because we believe that a person believing in Jesus is a work of God. Imagine uh, if belief in the Gospel was only a work uh, of our uh, free choice. Imagine praying uh, to God, God, please open Bob's heart. Uh, we might pray and God would respond, I would really love to do that uh, but actually it's, it's his choice and I don't want to interfere. God must in some way stand behind who comes to him otherwise prayer is pointless, Meaningless. And ineffective. It would make a mockery of the Lord's prayer, wouldn't it? Lord, we ask that your will might be done on heaven as it is on earth, except in the case of people believing the gospel, where we pray that it might just be our will and not yours. It's a hard word, I think, and it seems unfair to us. Uh, but I think uh, some words from uh, from from C. H. Spurgeon uh, are useful. Now, this is from uh, I'm just quoting from Spurgeon, uh, who's quoted by a guy called Sam Storms. This book is called "Chosen for Life: The Case for Divine Election," uh, and it's probably the best book uh, ever written, uh, and it's really worth reading. Well, it is. Uh, Actually, I've got another book here worth reading as well, and that is <laughs> that is uh, Don Carson. Uh, you'll be surprised how long O oh Lord. And there's, all you have to read in this one is a chapter, but this one is in the book in the book uh, library. So uh, his chapter, "The Mystery of Providence," is worth reading if you can get past phrases like "absolute power to contrary." But anyway, no, it's really good. Uh, but listen to what Spurgeon says, because I think Spurgeon is really helpful in understanding uh, that God is not uh, capricious or unkind in being sovereign uh, and, and choosing uh, some for life and passing over others. Here's what Spurgeon says. There are some who say it's hard for God to choose some and leave others. Now I will ask you one question. Is there any of you here this morning who wishes to be holy, who wishes to be regenerate, to leave off sin and walk in holiness? Yes, there is. Some, someone says, I do. Then God has elected you. But another says, no, I don't want to be holy. I don't want to give up my lusts and my vices. Why should you grumble then that God has not elected you to it? For if you are elected, you would not like it, according to your own confession." If God this morning had chosen you to holiness, you say you would not care for it. Do you not acknowledge that you prefer drunkenness to sobriety, dishonesty to honesty? You love this world's pleasures better than religion. Then why should you grumble that God has not chosen you to religion? If you love religion, he has chosen you to it. If you desire it, he has chosen you to it. If you do not... What right have you to say that God ought to have given you what you do not wish for? It's a probing question, is it? Why would you complain? He goes on to say, imagine that I had something in my hand that you didn't want and that I said, I'm going to give it to Bob over here and then you complain, how can you give that to Bob and not to me? He he says, it will be stupid because you don't want it. How can you complain? On the other hand, uh, he says, if you do want it, uh, then God will not say, well, that's too bad. You know, uh, God won't say, well, it's too bad, I haven't chosen you, I won't give give, give it to you. No, he says, if you want it, that shows that God is drawing you to himself and God will give it to you and grant it to you. It's a hard uh, pill to swallow. It's difficult to understand the sovereignty of God uh, in saving people, uh, some and not saving others. Uh, It might seem to us that it absolves us of our responsibility but as Paul says in Romans 9, God will have mercy uh, on whom he wants to have mercy and he will harden those whom he wants to harden. So in the first place, uh, what stands behind these different responses to the Gospel is the sovereignty of God and the pleasure of God. So why then uh, the parables? Well, the answer uh, to that seems to be given in verse 12 uh, of of Matthew 13. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So the parables uh, seem to do two things. They give more to people who already have, and they take away uh, from people who don't have the, the, the little that they do have. Here's a, uh, here's a troubling question, here's a vexing question. How does more information, more teaching, lead to less understanding? How does more teaching take away rather than give? There's two things, I think, to uh, two two things to say in answer to that. First is that the parables were not intended to conceal information. So I don't think the idea is that parables are like riddles. Uh, you know, Jesus is saying there, riddle me this, riddle me that, you know, and you have to go away, and kind of work out the answer. I don't think that's the main point. Jesus isn't trying to obscure his message, I don't think. Verse 34 of this chapter makes that plain. There, Jesus, uh, Matthew says that Jesus spoke all these things in parables. He did not say anything to them without a parable, so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So what Matthew is saying is that things that were hidden since the creation of the world are now being openly told through parables. In other words, the parables are revealing the things that were hidden, the mysteries that were formerly obscure. So the parables of Jesus, rather than obscuring things, are actually ushering a new age of Gospel clarity. A great place to turn to see that in action is Matthew 21. Turn to, uh, to Matthew 21. And Jesus has just, just been telling a whole series of parables again and in Matthew 21 verse 45, Matthew says, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. See so what's going on in, in, that, in that case it's not that the parables were unclear. That The Pharisees knew exactly what Jesus was saying. They were crystal clear and they hated it. The problem was not their inability to understand. Their problem was their unwillingness to accept what Jesus was saying. The clearer the message, the more they resisted. Which leads to the second question, I guess. How does greater clarity lead to less understanding? Well, that's really the same question, but how does does greater clarity lead to less understanding? Jesus says that the answer is humanity's hardness of heart. It's because, verse 15, this people's heart has become calloused, they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears Understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Jesus says, to those to whom it's been given, uh, to those to whom it hasn't been given, even what they have will be taken away. H- how is it taken away? It's taken away by their own hardness of heart, and that's what's played out in the rest uh, of the. That's what's played out in the parable itself. The rejection of the message and the hardness of heart is worked out in three ways and those three ways are unpacked by the parable. So in each of the first three cases in the parable there's something, there's a message, there's a seed that goes out but the message is taken away in some way. Some people, says Jesus, are like a path. When the seed falls on, on them, when they hear the message of the Gospel they're so hard to it that it, they will not let it penetrate I will not listen to what you're saying. That's what they're like, Jesus says. And, and Satan comes and he just takes the message away. They choose to believe Satan rather than believe the message of Jesus. And so they lose the message. Other people, says Jesus, are like rocky soil. The seed comes, the message of the gospel comes, and they receive it at first with, with this great joy and this great excitement. And then trouble comes and persecution comes and they abandon the faith. There are so many uh, examples of that uh, in church history. Uh, you know, you, you might think just of, uh, say, the Billy Graham Crusades, the number of people who went up, you know, who, who uh, accepted the call to come up and give their life to Jesus only uh, to give it up again a few months later. You might uh, know friends and family uh, people close to you whose faith has seemed to burn so brightly for a time and then they abandon it altogether. Some people, Jesus says, are like soil full of weeds. The seed sprouts but the weeds choke the plant and keep it from being fruitful Jesus says it's the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches that keep them from being fruitful. They have the message of the Gospel. They believe it. They they believe that it's true. They never become atheists. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches keep them from being fruitful And and it takes the Gospel away. Each of them had the message of the Gospel But each of them took it away from themselves by their hardness of heart. It's a terrible warning, isn't it? I wonder if your heart is teetering on the edge of that kind of hardness of heart. Is your heart like a path? You know, like this concrete floor. And the the message of the Gospel is being sown out week after week. Here in church, the conversations that you have and maybe even your personal Bible reading that your heart is so hard, so close to the message of the Gospel that it's being taken away from you. If that's you, then flee to Jesus. Flee to Jesus and turn now before it's too late. Are you teetering maybe on the edge of giving up? Maybe uh, the, the trouble, the difficulty of, of following Christ is just too hard. Uh, maybe people are, are making fun of you at school. Uh, maybe you're missing out on stuff you know, that everybody else is enjoying. Don't give up. Don't take the message of the Gospel away because of persecution, and trials. Maybe your life is being swallowed up by worry. Maybe you're consumed by anxiety. Consumed by anxiety in the sense that it crowds out your trust in Christ. Is your life maybe smothered by the pursuit of wealth? by the deceiving spirit of our age which says you need this and that and and you're just on this constant treadmill of idolatry that there's never any time for God. If that's you, flee to Jesus. Listen, hear, before it's too late. The temptation for us might be to say but if God is sovereign, well, what does it matter what I do? But the Bible never allows us to go down that path. The Bible always holds both truths together. It always says, God is sovereign and you have a responsibility to listen and to hear. Back in chapter 11 when Jesus said those things about, uh, about the Father hiding uh, the truth from some and revealing it to others, straight after that is that great gospel call, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. God's sovereignty and the wide call of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here in this passage, Jesus doesn't doesn't hold back. He says, why do some understand and others not? It's because, ultimately, it's because of the sovereignty of God. But he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So if that's you, if you're a rocky soil, if you're a hard path, If you're like soil choked up by weeds, listen and hear and receive Jesus. If you listen, Jesus says, you'll find rest for your souls. I've been listening to Tim Keller this week and Tim Keller keeps saying the same thing over and over again. He says lots of other things as well. But he kept saying the same thing and that is that the Gospel is not advice. You know, it's not advice in the sense that here's here's the things that you need to do to get your life back in order. The Gospel is news about what's already been accomplished and we need to listen to that and hear that and receive that. Well, we've seen the negative side, the sobering side, the distressing side that our own hardness of heart can keep us from embracing Christ. But the other side, the last side if you like, is the side kind of portrayed by this good soil. God in his sovereignty isn't obliged to, to give salvation to any of us but in his grace and his mercy he does give it to some. Jesus says that those people are like the good soil and when the seed falls on them it sprouts and bears fruit uh, and yield the crop a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. To those who, 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 to whom it's been given, more will be given. They're given the seed and the fruit comes as well. Fruit and more fruit and more fruit again, the fruit of the, uh, of the Kingdom of God, obedience to Jesus, love for Jesus, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, love and communion with the Father. You see, here is the, the, the great miracle that God and His grace and His mercy gives to some the ability to receive Jesus and to believe in Him. It's haunting and uh, and frightening to think of the uh, unrelenting hardness of the human heart, which this parable portrays, is not it? It's, it's, it's disturbing to think about those different kinds of soils which reject the gospel. It's difficult to think about the fact that God might. Uh, might keep uh, the gospel from ourselves, uh, from us, because of our hardness of heart. But the flip side of that, of that distressing picture, is the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God and the undeserved blessing of God. Jesus says to his disciples, "Blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear." For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. So if you look at your life and you see the fruit of the Kingdom of God, if you see trust in Christ, faith in Him, if you see humility at the foot of the cross, if you see love for Christ and growing obedience to him, if you see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, if you see perseverance triumphing over tribulation, if you see trust triumphing over anxiety, if you see generosity triumphing over the deceitfulness of riches, then here is Jesus' word to you. Blessed are your eyes because they've seen and your ears because they've heard and your heart because you've understood. Let me pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we... We confess that uh, some of these things are hard to understand. Lord, uh, your wisdom is inscrutable and Lord, we pray that you'd help us to trust that. Father, it's, it's hard when we look around and Uh, We share the Gospel with people and they don't receive it. Lord, when we try and show your grace and your mercy and your love uh, and people won't embrace it. Lord, help us to understand that behind those realities are two great truths, your sovereignty and the hardness of the human heart. Lord, we ask that none of us would fail to listen and to hear and to embrace the good news about Jesus, that he's died for our sins and been raised to life for our justification. And Father we ask that each one of us would be people who hear and bear fruit. Lord, whether it's 100, whether it's 60 times, whether it's 30 times, Lord, we ask that you'd help us to bear fruit and to be able to see that and to be able to rejoice. And Father, as we struggle uh, sometimes to come to, to terms with your sovereignty and to understand how that works, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to trust that you're not uh, a capricious God, but help us to remember the cross and that you loved the world so much that you gave up your own son to save us uh, from your wrath. Lord, help, us, uh, help that to be to us a great reassurance uh, of your love and your generosity and your wisdom and your mercy. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to uh, stand and sing that uh, great song by uh, Charles? Charles Wesley. Yeah, Charles Wesley. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood?